content discussed on this podcast may be triggering for some individuals. So if you feel like today you can't quite handle it, that's totally fine. You can press pause and come back another day. Remember, we're always going to be here. And if you feel like you need immediate help, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14. guys welcome to episode two of if you don't mind you know what's really funny is when i am doing these introductions i am talking with my hands as if anyone can see me but they can't uh my name is madeline Sherrington. i am your host thank you for pressing play i really hope you all enjoyed episode one i've been getting some good feedback people seem to like it really loved maddo which i understand they are a lovely human being so that makes total sense I really appreciate, again, all the love that I've been getting because it makes me feel like I'm doing a good job. (laughs) But of course, this is episode two, which means we have a completely new person on to share their story. Uh, Today we have Danny, who I've known for a few months now and quite honestly is one of the loveliest uh, people. Danny is super easy to talk to, super honest, and quite frankly, was an absolute dream to interview. In this episode, we have a very frank discussion about what it's like to lose a parent when you're young and how that has an impact on not only your mental health, but how you progress in life after that. Um, we talk about her struggles with anxiety and all the things she's doing these days to make sure she feels whole within herself. We do talk a little bit about drug taking, so if that's something that you feel might trigger you today, that's totally fine. You can come back another day. That is our motto here, if you don't mind. Um, but apart from that, it's a really, really great interview. Super chill. Chill vibes only, guys. <laughs> okay, cool. So sit back, relax, grab a biscuit, grab some tea, maybe a glass of wine if it's nighttime and you're feeling a bit, you know, over it. And let's get into it. This is um, too close. No, that's perfect. That's fine. That's perfect. Hey, Danny. Hey. How you going? I'm well, and you? I'm good. I love that laugh so much. It's one of my favorite laughs. It's, a it's very cheeky. Yes, yes. It's a definitely a distinctive laugh, that's for sure. I just, whenever I hear it at the office, guys, we work together. <laughs> I'm always like, oh. Danny's here. <laughs> She's Love so lovely. It. She's oh. so, you just bring so much, I guess, joy to the office. Oh, stop it. No, you do. Everybody loves you. That's so nice. Um, Danny, what have you got on your phone there? Have you got some notes? Yeah. <laughs> In case I get like panicky and go, ah. Oh, I love that. I appreciate that. Yes. As a very organized person. I do appreciate the fact that you've done some homework. Yeah, just in case. For our interview. Yep. Well, it's an anxious person thing. Yeah, it is. It totally is. You have to prepare, you You know. On an average day for you, Yes. what does anxiety look like? (laughs) Because we've Um, had this discussion before. We have. We're both very anxious ladies. Yes. We are very sensitive. Yeah. And it's something I know that's affected you for quite some time. So what's Mm. it like for you Mm. to experience on a day-to-day basis? It's it, it it feels 
it can be sometimes quite debilitating. Um, you can sort of feel trapped in certain situations. Um, it's a physical thing as well. For, for me, it's you start shaking, um, you feel nauseous. Also, you start to – it's that self-doubt as well, like, I can't do this, like, mm. I need out. That's that's what anxiety can, can feel like. It feels like – it's never going to end, you know what I mean? Mm. It's like trying to get to Mordor, but <laughs> like it's so that. tough, you know? Oh God, it's I, really tough. I love that you just used to <laughs> a lot of the rings reference. But that's uh, pretty much how it feels. Um, it is It is definitely hard, um, but I, you sort of just have to remember to just to it's, – it's only temporary, but at, at the time being it, it feels like the end of the world. Mm. And do you find when you're at work or when you're at home, it's worse? Like, are there things that kind of trigger you more than other than other situations? Yeah, I mean, if I'm at home mm. and I'm on my own, it's okay. Really? Yeah, it's very like because I'm in that safe space, mm. and I think I'm I'm very comfortable in being independent and being on my own. So that is like a safe thing for me. But depending on a certain situation, it could be that um, there's been times where I've been in theaters or like like musicals and on trains where this wave of anxious like anxiety just comes out of nowhere and just fucks my shit up basically What's that, like? that must be scary um you know i don't it's it's weird because you it's like i i heard on a podcast that i've been i was listening to a few months ago um and he was explaining um anxiety and how you have that anxiety loop so you you think about anxiety and then you you get f- that fear of anxiety but then you start stressing about that and it's just this ongoing cycle and that's how that sort of feels because you have to be like okay I'm anxious um but I have to calm down like this it's going to be okay but sometimes when you're so anxious and I'm sure people know that feeling when you're like I just can't get out of out of this it's that that fight or flight mm. situation exactly um so there are certain triggers as well, but it just depends on the situation or the or my mood or how relaxed I am. So if I feel uncomfortable in a situation, that's when it's the worst. Mm. Yeah. And did you experience this when you were quite young? Like, is or yeah. is it something like okay? So you you've mm. had this since you were quite young. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What so did it, how did it start? I don't. I I I guess I was pretty shy as a kid. So it was that kind of like lack lack of confidence in certain situations. Um, it start from it started from a very young age, like when I was in primary school in kindergarten and stuff. And I just had this fear of being involved in like certain like activities and things like that. And I think I was just very, uh, you know, that's, I guess that can be normal for some kids, like very feeling very like shy and all that. But it was also that anxiety that kind of stopped me from doing things because, you know, I was so young and I didn't know how to um, express that. But looking back on it, I know that, yeah, that's anxiety. Like for, for, a, for a young child, that's not that, not that great. Did anyone pick up on it? Like were yeah. teachers and like your parents aware of the fact that you were quite anxious to be involved in certain things? Yeah, like my mum and my dad knew um, that I was quite shy and they thought, oh, at first they were like, oh, she just she just doesn't want to do these things. But then my mum was more so like, you know, she, she has those anxieties. She's very shy. So when I was in, I think it was year four, 
or year three, my primary school teacher didn't know that I was, she thought I had learning difficulties, but I didn't. It was just that I was too scared to speak up when I made a mistake or something. Um, even though I knew that I was, I'd made a mistake, she just thought, oh no, she's just not getting it. Mm. And then my mum just sort of had to explain. It's like, well, no, it goes a bit deeper than that. It's not because she she needs to repeat or anything like that. It's just that she, yeah, she's shy. And um, so they sort of, I didn't, I didn't repeat, but um, yeah, so they sort of had to explain that. And yeah. you had something else kind of quite traumatic going on in that in that time period. Yeah. So what yeah, was yeah. happening in your life then? Um, so when I was about eight years old, my mum got sick with cancer. So before that, I'm going to go back and then come forward if that's okay. Do what you need to so do my mum had cancer when she was 15. So she had bone cancer. So she, in her leg. So when she was 15, she had to get her leg amputated. Wow. Yeah. So she, you know, she's she's an amazing woman. But yeah. So going to going forward, um, when I was eight, my mum got cancer again. So she got breast cancer this time. I think during that time, like I was still, like I was at I was at school and dealing with a lot of you know personal issues and uh, you know being that young, as I said before, not being able to n- understand such a traumatic thing happening um, and a stressful thing, you know, to to experience for someone so young. But yeah, no one really knew about it at school except like my teacher. But like friends didn't really know because I was I was a kid. Do you think that like your mum being sick contributed to you being like anxious generally? Yeah, because I think I had that also. I was very like I was I was very attached to my mum when I was young, of course, as most um, kids are. Mm. And yeah, I was very worried. You know, like you see your parent as this, you know, this hero and this person that's like resilient and strong. And when you see things like when your mum's sick, it's it's a very strange feeling, especially at that age. Because mm, mm. I guess your mum's meant to be, you know, yeah, the caregiver. Totally. And yeah. In this case, were you often kind of helping her and yeah, helping care for her? Mm. Wow. Yeah. That's an intense thing to mm. deal with when you're quite young. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you ha- did you have to kind of like grow up a little bit? A little bit, but I, I was still quite young at that stage. Um, So, uh, yeah, it, it's I'm trying to remember that kind of part of my life, my journey at that stage. But all I just remember is being very like, you know, stressed out as a kid. Yeah. You know, in the end, she ended up being okay Um, for the, the ongoing years to come. Mm. Um, so yeah. So when you were a teenager, mm. how were these feelings of anxiety mm. and kind of sadness? How did they, were they quite, were they still there? Were they yeah. more intense? Yeah. I think, you know, yeah, from a, yeah, they've been, they were still there. I still had a lot of, you know, anxieties. Um, public speaking is my worst fear really it See, is. it's my favorite thing it's very interesting yeah. i've spoken to people with you know lots of people with anxiety disorders yeah and some like myself like it because i think it's the only time where i feel like i'm in absolute control totally yeah whereas other people are like fuck that yeah that is my worst nightmare that's it, so it that's it's you. my worst nightmare but every time i i do public speaking they're like wow i didn't even realize that you, like you were so calm and i was like yeah but i was internally screaming on the inside yes. <laughs> you know i'm like fuck this shit but yeah i've like, seen you, know, you speak like in you know big yeah. meetings and things and you yeah. just like you're just having a chat but it's just like that meeting like 
that last week when I had to do that presentation, man, I was like packing it. Like I was like, oh God, sweaty, sweaty palms. Yeah. Mom's spaghetti, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jesus. And so like when you were a teenager, yes. that's when your mum actually passed away. Yes. So talk me through that. How What happened? So when I was 17, um, she got cancer again. Mm. So she got bone cancer this time. And yeah, it was, it was in her liver, her leg and her back. So she was complaining about, not complaining, I shouldn't say complaining. Um, mm. She was, she was saying, you know, I've got these really sore back problems before we knew she was sick. So she went to go check, get checked. And um, the GP was like, yeah, you know, you've got cancer again. So that was pretty like hectic for everyone um, to kind of process. Um, so when I was seventeen, when in October she got to, um, diagnosed, so two thousand six mm. in October, um, and in January two thousand seven she passed away. It was very quick. That's very quick. very quick. So it was a lot to take take on because my dad was still working at the time and my sister was also working and I just graduated. So I was going through HSC when she was sick, but then I graduated. So I wasn't working at the time. Um, so I had to be her primary carer. So, um, which is, you know, fine because that's my mom and I'd do anything for her. It's, it's also a lot to take on for someone so young who's sort of not morphed into like a young adult, mm. I'm, I'm going into, I'm 18, I should be doing other other things than all my other friends were doing. But it was a lot to take on. But at the time, I had a, I had a job to do and to help her and I, w- I would have done anything for her, you know? Mm. Mm. What was it like to see your mum that sick and be with her like every day? It was really emotionally draining, mm. you know? It was very, um, yeah, it was it was really hard to see her like that. And I think it was really hard for her to be that vulnerable because she was always, she was a very strong person, you know? And yeah, to see her like that, it was it was a lot. Mm. Mm. And, when yeah. she, and when she passed, mm. how did that affect your relationship with your dad and your sister? Was it a very difficult and tumultuous time for you as a family? Yeah, it was because my sister was dealing with her own sort of issues and so was my dad Um, and so was I, you know. We were dealing with grief in our own way and um, it was was really hard because this had never happened, like this experience we didn't think would happen for a very long time and it did, Mm. you know, and yeah, it was, it was really hard for all parties involved. (laughs) So, yeah. And when, so when your mum passed away and you were out in the world, yes. what were you doing? Were you at uni? Were you were working? Did you kind of have a, a, an idea of where you wanted to go? Were you a bit lost? Yeah. So for the next three months after my mum had passed away, I wasn't working. I was still dealing with the grief. I was partying a lot as well. Um, and then my dad basically was like, not move on, but you need to start getting your life together. You need to um, get a job. And it was really hard because I just felt like – I depended so much on my mom and then she wasn't there anymore. So it was sort of like this sense of abandonment. So I got a job. I started partying a lot. Mm. So I got heavily into drinking mm-hmm. uh, to the point where I'd blackout. I did a lot of party drugs, a lot, um, excessive, ex- yeah, a lot. So, yeah, and that, that, that went on for many years. Like that went on till I was about, I don't know, 27. 
it was sort of like unraveling very slowly over the years. Because at the time, I was like, oh, yeah, this is fine. It's totally fine. It wasn't fine. <laughs> it wasn't fine. So, yeah, and I didn't know how to cope. That was the thing. I was very – I didn't know how to express myself. So I would just get really fucked up and I didn't care. When you were taking drugs – Yes. And kind of, I guess, abusing abusing drugs? Would oh, you, yeah. Would you say you Oh, yeah. A lot? Yep. Um, did you – Ever have those days? Because I mean, I I myself was very frightened to yeah. do drugs for most of my young adult life. But when I did, I had very bad reactions to them. Yeah. Did you ever find like that you had that you get super anxious, or like it would make you more depressed or more anxious when you took them? Yep. Yeah. So it was more the after effect. So um, I would get really anxious, like the night after or the day after um i'd also get physically sick so i'd be really my immune system because i wasn't looking after myself i was very depressed um i was getting sick constantly so because i was taking all these drugs and stuff like that at the time i just thought oh i'm sick but then it's like no well actually you're fucking up your immune system you know um but yeah definitely it, it really takes a toll on the on your mental health um as well did you have those days where like you woke up say like if you'd taken i don't know like mdma or something yeah and you'd like wake up and you would just feel like you had no ability to like do anything yeah because i remember from again the brief times yeah that i've done them yeah you just yeah you wake up and you're like oh i i have no desire to be alive yeah it's like you just don't want to exist that's it and you're like why like this is you question everything you know what i mean and yeah, That's scary. Yeah, it's like it was near the end of my of my ecstasy days, um, and it was just like, yeah, this is this this seat's taken, my friend. You need to just chill out. Yeah, was your body like kind of like starting to reject it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and it's funny because um, when I was younger, my mind was so different to say my mid twenties. If I would were to take drugs, I didn't have that that same mentality you know when I was quite younger like 19 19 20 mm. um yeah I used to um yeah it used to just be this euphoric feeling you know and letting go of everything but then because my mind was a little bit different in my mid-20s I was like yeah this feeling I don't like it it's too overwhelming like and I would get really anxious about it because I knew how I was fucked up but I couldn't do anything until the the feeling passed so it's interesting do you, i've had a few i've had a few friends who kind of were very into like party and drug taking yeah um so i'm gonna repeat that because i knocked my mic so there, i had a few friends who are very into kind of drug taking mm. um when they were younger quite excessively and when they decided to kind of stop mm. um they lost a few friends yeah because of it because yeah. they only had like I guess the real connection they had was the fact that they would go get like munted every week. Yeah. Did that happen to you? Yeah. Really? Yeah. What was that like? It was interesting because for me, I met some people when I was in my very like big party stage and taking a lot of drugs, and it's interesting to to a situation to be in because these people aren't really your friends. It's just that kind of scene. Um, yeah, there are people that I've used to party with a lot that I would never speak to ever. It's just that kind of part of my life. And do you feel like the friendships you have now are much more organic and authentic? Yeah, definitely, definitely. 
Yeah, because I know my who my true friends are and um, they accept me for who I am, you know, and um, and I'm really grateful for that because I have some really good friends, you know. Mm. Yeah, you also have very attractive friends. Yeah, I know. I know. They're all very It's good really looking. hard to have but really good-looking friends. But you are also very good-looking. Oh, stop. No, You're I'm all not. very good-looking. No. It's like this is – too much, guys. No, it's too hot to handle. It's too daunting. I know. I remember when I was at your 30th, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> the beautiful people. They're so gorgeous. <laughs> but they're not necessarily – it's not like they're Cronulla yeah. Beach babes. No, none just, of them are. <laughs> yeah. These beautiful inner, yeah. inner West hipsters. I know. And a lot of my friends are actually from Campbelltown, well, believe it or not. There's nothing wrong I with know, Campbelltown. I know, but they all live in the inner West now. Yeah, so. they're cool. Too cool for school. Too cool for school. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that, like, taking drugs – and drinking a lot, which mm. is a way of you kind of numbing yourself and not having to deal with the pain that you were experiencing. Yeah, looking back at it, yeah, because at the time I was like, yeah, this is so fun. Like, yeah, I'm living my best life. But, like, it, I was actually in a really bad way and really depressed and it was a very dark time for me, like, especially when I was a, in my younger years. I was very unstable. So, um, yeah. It wasn't a good time. And when you were you like seeking any kind of like psychiatric help at this time or were you kind of just like, I'm going to medicate myself? Yeah. And that'll be fine. Yeah. So it's pretty much it. I don't think at that stage of my life I was ready to to speak to someone about it because I was thinking, oh, the, I don't want to talk to someone I don't know about, you know, my my personal life and stuff like that. It took me a long time to seek help, but I'm glad I did because it really gave me, you know, perspective on how to deal with grief, how to deal with anxiety and depression and stuff like that, um, you know, and I definitely am all for it to speak to someone, a third party, just to sort of get that opinion because you, your friends, your family can only do so much and at least like if you go to therapy, they can sort of break down things for you. No, for sure. And mm. like so when you started um, obviously getting therapy yep. and seeing a psychologist, mm. How was it facing that grief that you had kind of basically numbed yourself to oh, for all that time? Mm. What was that like? It was really like I felt so vulnerable. I like cried so much. Like the first session, I just remembered like sobbing and that was really hard to be so vulnerable, but it was also so like stepping out of that um door, I was like, God. I just had this weight lifted off me, you know, and I really do recommend um, people who uh, want to seek help and but they're not sure do it when you're ready obviously but it's it's it is a very it's it's great to have some someone you know to to, to talk to about all that type of stuff mm. Mm. and did you also kind of like in that in that period learn how to kind of manage your anxiety better so did you learn get to know some more coping mechanisms yeah so I got taught CBT, so a lot of to help with anxiety. So especially with like relaxation and like meditating and kind of the hippie side of things. But it it it, it to help with like the physical tension and also um, the mental tension too. Like a lot of stuff that was building up in my um in my mind. So yeah, it definitely did help a lot to have sort of like those those strategies with coping with depression and anxiety and um just sort of not flying off the handles, trying to like think rationally because in the past I would have thought irrationally and all that. So it was nice to have have the, have someone tell me how to kind of do that. So, mm. yeah. It's nice because I think with therapy the best thing about it is, you're right, you do have like that third party. Yeah. So they're completely different and separate to who you, who you know regularly. Yeah. 
And they just kind of go, all right, this is what you're experiencing. I'm going to give you some tools. Yeah. Some like actual tools you can use. Mm. And yeah, it takes a long time for them to be effective. Mm. But when you're, you know, taught how to use them properly, they can be so life altering. Yeah. Just in terms of just like even things as simple as learning how to breathe when you're panicking can be so instrumental in your recovery. Yeah. And I think, yeah, absolutely. And I think like with those tools, as you said, it, it, it's you definitely have to remain present in that type of stuff because there were, there were times where I was in therapy and I was like, this is bullshit. Like I don't, I don't get this. But looking back on some of it, I'm like, yeah, like I just wasn't present at that stage. Like I just, did, I couldn't, I couldn't grasp it. You know what I mean? Um, it's definitely, it, and I know it's hard when you are depressed and you are anxious to stay present in that moment, it is really tough um, for people like us. Yes. Yes. I agree. Yes. I think it makes, in in some ways, I think it makes sense that it took you that, that long time, that yeah. time to get to a, a place where yeah. you thought therapy was doable. Mm. Because when you're 18, like gone through one of the biggest milestones in your life, like yeah. you're an adult. Yeah. So the last thing you want to do is sit down with some old dude and talk about your feelings. Totally. Like, I can understand why it took you a long time to get to that point where you yeah. felt comfortable. Yeah, and it took it took to break the breaking point too. Like I, I had a bit of a breakdown. Yeah, so what was that? I, what was that like? It was really tough. It was very like, oh shit, you know. And my sister was the one who said, "Yeah, you need to see someone. Like this is this is actually getting out of hand. You need you can't live your life like this." you know, in that kind of despair, that hopelessness type of thing, you know. Um, so I was like, yeah, I think it's time. <laughs> so, so, yeah, and it really, it really did help me. Like I recommend it just even if you want to go for like a few months and test it out, um, I do, I've, I really do recommend it. And I do, I do, you know, I wish that I did see someone when I was younger, but yeah, I just didn't – I wasn't at that stage of my life. But I really do, uh, yeah, advocate that, you know, early intervention with this type of stuff like grief and loss, you need to speak to someone about it if if you're feeling like that. You know, it's a, such a traumatic thing happening. Yeah, you need you definitely need some help. You can't do that on your own. It's, yeah. I was kind of thinking like before we had our interview today, I was thinking about mm. grief and loss. Yeah, yeah. And I, th- I was kind of – thinking about the fact that maybe as a society we don't deal with it properly. Yeah. When you lost your mum, did you feel like people around you knew what to do? No. So what were like what were their reactions? People don't really know what to do. It's sort of like that social, oh I'm so sorry this happened and blah blah blah. And that's lovely and that's fine, but it doesn't change the fact that um, this person's passed away, but that's you know I but I respect the condolences and things like that, of course. But I think when death happens to people, no one knows what to do, not even yourself. Yeah, it's really hard. It's tough to to be in that situation. Do you think maybe it's also got to do with the fact that death itself in our society is such a taboo subject? Yeah, that we just as people don't like talking about it, which is yeah. fair enough because. Yeah. Death is like it's it's obviously it's permanent. Yeah, it's permanent. That's it. You don't get that person back. And that's the thing. And I think like 
as you get older, I'm getting real cliche right now. I'm getting, I'm getting real yeah, deep. Because you're very old, uh, Daniel. <laughs> I'm very wise. You are um, the very old age of 30. <laughs> um, I think that life is short. Like I know that sounds so fucking cliche. But it's true. But it's so true. Like years ago, I would have been like, whatever. But like you start to realize as you get older what's important and what doesn't matter, Who who is important to you, you know, and you start to – be more appreciative, I guess, as for your family and your friends, because you know, in the back of your mind, I don't know, this is me, but in the back of the mind, in the back of my mind, I'm like, these people aren't going to be around forever. I want to spend as much time with these people, have these experiences, because one day no one's going to be here, you know. And I know that sounds really no, dark, but no. like it's the truth. And you know what any, I mean? If anything, you probably have a very kind of different perspective yeah compared to the average person because yeah. most people haven't experienced such a significant loss yes at this age yeah as you have mm. and so i think for you to kind of be like oh well yeah people don't live forever That's and they it. can die any day yeah. so i might as well yep. love them and spend mm. as much time with them as i possibly can yeah i think that's actually a super positive thing to have in your life yeah and it's it's a shock to the system when that type of stuff of happens you know and um you know it's 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 um it's a journey that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> that's cliche. you know we laugh yeah that's cliche <laughs> like yeah like we what you know we we laugh in these situations because if we don't we'll cry and be sad oh my god can you imagine the world without laughter oh what would be the point what would be the point has your um your dad and your sister yeah been open to kind of talking about your mental health journey are they do they understand what it's been like for you in the last five or six years my sister knows she's very supportive of all that stuff bless her um so she's been a really good um support network system I guess Mm. for me um which is great my dad he's a complicated man he's a complicated man so he's very old school as well his um dad was in the war many many years ago in the second world war and um he had a lot he had PTSD so Mm. he was really fucked up from it um and he used to drink a lot as well and then his mum was schizophrenic as well so in those days, they didn't have the medication and doctors like we have these days. They had shock therapy and things like that. So it, it would have been a very traumatic upbringing for him. For sure. For sure. And there was a lot of people in that generation that yeah. had parents who were in the war. Yeah. And were experiencing PTSD. Yeah. yeah. And I think he's not he, – he knows that I, I – take medication so I take Zoloft um, for antidepressants to, to help with my anxiety and depression as well um, he knows about that but he sort of he sort of ignores it like he thinks oh it's fine but it's not like well to him like he'll be like oh it's fine uh, but you know but it's not fine to him you know what I mean and he he just, I think he just doesn't want to accept that you know we have a history of mental illness in our family so um yeah, so he he's not he's not uh, he's supportive, but he doesn't really under he doesn't really grasp it, doesn't really understand my journey or how what I've been through, kind of thing. Because mm. I think that would really, I don't know, like I think it would really upset him, but also, um, I don't know, I don't know. He's 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 a very complex person. <laughs> no, no, and I yeah. think that makes sense. Like um, a lot of people I've spoken to in our generation mm. who kind of have experienced mental health um, disorders and, and issues. 
their parents are often their kind of their biggest hurdle yeah. in getting help. And I think it's because they've grown up in a time where you've just got to push on. Yeah. And I remember when I got super sick, I think I've told you this before, mm. I like made my dad come to a therapy session. Yeah. Because talking to him about this stuff was like talking to a brick wall. Yep. He was just like, he didn't understand why I didn't just go to the doctor, yep. get a prescription, take my meds and move on. And it was not until I like got him to come and my psychologist explained this is what's actually happening. It was like, sorry, a light went on in his brain and he was like, oh, okay. So this is not something <laughs> you, it's not just you feeling sorry for yourself. Yeah. I'm not just sad. I've got, no. I've got issues. No. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a legitimate yeah. mental health condition. Yeah. And the thing is, and it's also, I think, if you, if they then admit to themselves, my child mm. has an issue. Yeah. They then also have to kind of deal with their own issues and yeah. what's in their own family history. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of research to suggest that there's a, co- it's a combination of, of, of factors as to why we develop mental health disorders. Yeah. But it being a genetic thing is very possible. Yeah. And it's quite confronting when you're like, crap, like I, I have this in my genes. Mm. It's confronting. It is. I'm it sure is. your dad struggles with that too. Of course, and he has—he definitely has—he has, he has um, uh, a mental illness, but he would never admit that. He'd be like, "Oh, I'm sad," or like, "I'm feeling down," and um, but he—he he would never, because of his experiences. I think he'll never address that because I think, in a way, he's sort of ashamed of it, which he shouldn't be ashamed of it, you know, and especially in this day and age. A lot of people have depression and um, and it's much more of an open conversation, you know what I mean? But I think when he was so young in, and especially when he was in his 20s and 30s, it was a very taboo sub- subject. Mm. It was like if you had a mental illness, oh, that person's crazy. Mm. But it's not the case. No. You know? And, um, yeah, and I think that he struggles with that. On you know in his own in his own way, um, so it's it's quite it's quite hard to have that conversation with him you know because he doesn't really get it. Mm. No, for sure. Um, one thing I kind of thought about, yeah. which I so I am quite open with the fact that a lot of my anxiety surrounds my health. Yeah, so I'm terrified of you know contracting whatever illness 100 percent of the time. Yeah. So to have a mother who obviously passed away because of something very chronic yeah and very um you know debilitating has your health ever caused you great anxiety have you ever worried about i don't know like contracting cancer or having you know getting sick yourself yeah is that something that you think about yeah like now these days more so um but at the time like you know, when my mum just passed away and stuff, I didn't think about stuff like that. I think I was a bit blinded by that and didn't really didn't really consider that. But yeah, definitely because my mum had cancer three times, it is a possibility. It could happen. You know what I mean? Um, or it could or it could skip a generation. Who knows? But I I try to you know I try to look after myself. I exercise a lot, um, you know, mentally and physically. So I, and I try to eat well most of the time as well. You know, there's been times where I have abused my body. You know, I haven't looked after it, but now I think that my kind of mind's a bit different now that I'm a bit older. I sort of just want to you know treat my body as a temple in case you know it, the inevitable may happen one day. You know. Um, but yeah, I do. Sometimes I do think about that. But at the t- at the moment, I guess I'm just sort of 
have to live in the now and accept what I've got. I'm healthy. I've got two legs. You know, I I I can see. I can hear. Um, and I'm like I'm lucky to to be able to um be alive. Be alive. Mm. You know. Um. So you take medication. Yep. You sometimes go to therapy. Yep. What other ways um, do you kind of try and keep your mental health in check? Gosh, lots of I do lots of things. Because I can think of one very cool one, <laughs> and that is that you surf. I do, which yeah. I think is funny, and it's funny also because you are the smallest person. Yeah, I'm pretty short, and you're. So- <laughs> And your surfboard is like double your height. Yeah, it's seven foot. Yeah, I don't understand. How yeah. tall are you? Five foot one. What the fuck? I know, but it's like, you know, I, I like the style of the longboard, and <laughs> I'm only, I've only started surfing about a year ago now. Yeah. Um. So I'm still I'm still not very good, but I do I do okay. I do all right for a little gal. Um. But the the surfboards themselves, um, longboards are super easy once you're in the the ocean, but carrying carrying it on the beach is a little bit hard sometimes because my poor little arms <laughs> struggle a little bit. But, um, you know, it's cool. It's fine. What's it like being out in the surf when you are kind of all by yourself and it's very early yeah. in the morning and it's peaceful? What's yeah. it like? You know what? It's really interesting because for someone who has so much anxiety from time, like usually, um, when, I'm out, when I'm out there, it just – it goes away like it's it's really hard to explain like that anxiety just disappears and i just feel like wow this is how it feels to not be anxious and it's and that's why i think i i like that's i like to surf because you know i'm focusing on so many different elements you know i'm i'm sur- i'm focusing on the water um what's in the water you know other surfers sort of just enjoying myself as well you know mm. um just being out there is just super fun um and it's great for it is definitely a great platform for mental health and also of course for physical health as well yeah, I've always kind of um wanted to surf as well, but I lived in I lived in Campbelltown, so I lived in the sticks for most of my life, so definitely no surfing out there. Um but I always wanted to do it and um I just never had the confidence. And then one day I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to do it. And if I don't like it, then that's fine. But I'd like got obsessed with it <laughs> and all my friends just are like oh Danny but um yeah and I've, I've always been seeking things to to help with my mental health as well and um and surfing was yeah a, a really great thing that I stepped into um and I've made friends out of it you know and I live in Cronulla now which is crazy <laughs> um no one expected that but it's um you know, I really love it out there. It's the open air. It's it's lovely. And you yeah. live by yourself, don't you? I do. What's that? Okay. So I, as an anxious person, yeah. could not imagine – I can't imagine anything scarier. No. I'd be terrified. No, I love it. Do you? Yeah. And I think because I lived with my dad for such a long time and it was just him and I for many years. And um, so – and he's a very quiet man as well. So – um, I was used to being on my own or like, you know, having my own space and stuff. Yeah. I, um, I lived with, I lived with four other people. I moved out and I moved to the inner West, um, a couple of years ago. Um, and that was awesome too. Like I lived with four other people, but that was also a lot of energy in one, in, in one space as well. And I wasn't used to that. Um, but living on my own. Yeah. I don't, I, I, I really love it. 
But I also have to remember to see my friends and things like that because I don't want to become isolated and weird, you know. <laughs> so, so I um, yeah, it's the best. I don't think you could ever become weird. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you if you were to say to someone maybe at eighteen years old right now, yeah, who had experienced you know a great loss. Mm. What is something that you would that you would like to tell them that maybe you would have wanted to hear? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one, isn't it? Um, it's really hard because everyone's experience is different. But I think that um, if if you feel down or if you feel upset, seek help. And as I said, as we touched on before, like your friends and family obviously will be there for you. But in the ways of have you know creating strategies and um, dealing with grief and sadness, professional help will say will, could save a life. You know what I mean? Um, especially if, you, if for people who have been in really dark places like myself when I was going through grief, um, seek help. Take time for yourself and be be kind to yourself as well because. There will be, be there will be times where it is really tough and it's really hard and um, you'll feel like you you are alone but you're not alone. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. I don't know if that was that was good That's at all. Perfect. Yeah, you're perfect. And how is your relationship with yourself these days? How Stop. do you how do you feel about yourself? Oh. Um, well, you know, I've I don't know. Like, there's been a shift in my life the the past couple of years. Um, there have been a lot of changes, um, you know, and I've been working on myself a lot. You know, I've had to make a lot of sacrifices, and um, yeah, it's been re- it's been a journey, and it's been really it's been really um, of a ch- it's been a challenge to to get where I am now. You know, there's there are times where. I still do get down and I say terrible things about myself like you're stupid or like, you know, what are you doing? Um, but I still I have to remember and go, hang on a second, that's ridiculous. Stop self-doubting yourself because you're fucking awesome. Yeah. But it's just also like it's it's hard because from over these years I've just been – I've had all these really awful things in my mind about myself, you know, and it, yeah. It's, it, but that, but I just have to remember to be kind to myself and take my time. Um, Danny, before we go, mm. I just wanted to ask you one more question. Yeah. And that was if you could give anyone out there right now who's really struggling with, um, particularly anxiety, mm. what would be your number one piece of advice that you would say to them? I'd say self care. Do things that you love, whether it be exercise or being creative or taking yourself to breakfast, all, all the things that I love, um, you know, or, and speaking to someone. If you need to talk to someone, don't isolate yourself and, um, you know, speak to a friend or your parent or um, or your therapist. But definitely self-care is key, especially if you're feeling down it's really important to be really kind to yourself, you know. I love that. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that, that makes sense because you're a pure angel and it's oh. like one of the purest responses I've ever <laughs> You're a goddamn angel. Oh, you're a goddamn angel. Thank you. Danny. thank you so much for being oh, here. I welcome. appreciate it. Let's, let's get out of here. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
And that was episode two of If You Don't Mind. How wonderful is Danny? She was so fun to chat to, so honest and endearing. Such great qualities. Uh, she, yeah, definitely very lovely to interview. So my partner told me last week, he said, Maddie, you really need to mention that you're on social media. And I was like, yes, I do. I can't believe I didn't do that in the first episode. So now I'm doing it. Uh, I am on Facebook. If you just type in, if you don't mind, you will find me. Uh, I'm on Instagram at if you don't mind podcast. Uh, what else am I on? I think that's it for now. I will have a Twitter eventually. Uh, and if you want to reach me, recommend something to me, if you want to be on the podcast, you can email me at if you don't mind at gmail.com. And of course, you can listen to this podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And when you go to Apple Podcasts, you can subscribe and you can also rate and review me. And the more you rate and review me, apparently this is good. I'm not sure how it works, but in Apple world, it's a good thing. Who knows? Guys, as usual, please be kind to yourselves, be kind to others, and most importantly, if you ever can, listen to someone else's story because it will do you and them a world of good. Uh, hopefully, I'll see you next time for episode three. See you later, guys. Mm-hmm.